Okay, Tov. We are now on the second Mishnah, Daf Yod Amun Aleph, uh, which begins the schedule of Ta'aniyot, the fasts. So, uh, if the 17th of Marcheshvan arrives and there's not been yet any rain, as we developed in the earlier Dapim of what constitutes rain, so then Yechidim, and the Gemara, we will define what Yechidim are, but we can already get the sense that this is not for everyone. These are for special uh, people, perhaps pious, perhaps leaders, etc. Begin fasting, three fasts. We will see that those three fasts have specific days of the week attached to them. Ochlin v'shotin mishecha So first of all, they can eat and drink at night. Umutarin v'melacha, there is no isur of melacha, there is no prohibition of them working on the day of the Tanit. And the four non-eating things that we associate with Yom HaKippurim, uh, bathing, anointing, wearing shoes, and marital relations, uh, there are no prohibitions like that on these three fasts. Now, second stage. Let's say we make it all the way to Rosh Chodesh Kislev and there are still no rains. Now the Beitin gets involved. And they order three fasts that follow the same model as the ones we just mentioned, but those are incumbent upon everyone. Same exact limitations, time frame, and permissions as we had in the earlier fasts for Yechidim. Good, so let's take a look first of all at who these Yechidim are. Man Yechidim. So Ravuna defines that the Yechidim are the rabbis and or students. We're going to see what that, how to develop this. And then he says that the Yechidim's fasts are Monday, Thursday, Monday, uh, which we refer to uh, in liturgy as Bahav, and that's how we refer to it in Shir today. My Kamashman, so what's Ravuna teaching us? Tanina, we have a Brita that says, You never begin the public fasts on Thursday. Because what will happen is the, is the, um, what will happen is the, uh, the storekeepers will see that there is a, um, that there is a run on food at the end of Thursday as people are buying their food for the uh, fast and to break the fast and for Shabbat, and it's going to drive prices up. The fasts are Monday, Thursday, Monday. No, it's Thursday and Monday are clearly the fast days. Why is something that is we'll get to more at the beginning of a second Megillah, uh, but we already have a brighter that says the fasts are Monday, Thursday, Monday. So what's Rav Huna teaching us by saying the Yechidim fast Monday, Thursday, Monday? So the answer is, Of course, the reasoning of not starting on a Thursday has to do with the public fast, because we're afraid that the public will uh, do have a run on Thursday night on the stores. That doesn't apply to Yechidim. So Kamashwan, therefore, Avuna teaches that the standard is always Bahad, even if it's just individuals who are fasting. Uh, we have a brave day brighter that supports us. The Yechidim are Monday, Thursday, Monday. Uh, one could now ask, since we have an explicit brighter that says exactly what Rav Huna told us, which is the Yechidim fast Monday, Thursday, Monday. So what is it that Rav Huna is, uh, is teaching? 
Um, so perhaps Ravuna here is is, is uh, selecting the first part of the Brayta because the Brayta continues uh, to teach us that we do not fast on Rosh Chodesh or on the days that are listed in Megillat Tanit, which we're going to get to in a couple of days. We've already discussed Megillat Tanit back on Rosh Hashanah Daf Yod Chet. So those uh, special days in the calendar, if uh, the fasts um, occur on one of those days, then the fast is is uh, skipped. The person shouldn't say, I'm still a student, I'm not one of the elite rabbis, and therefore I'm not going to fast on these first set. All of the students uh, are yechidim. Now, ezu yachid ve'ezu talmid. So what is a yachid and what is a talmid that we're, in, we're expanding and including the talmidim? Yachid a yachid is someone who is fit to be a leader of the community. The Ushami reads a little differently. It's somebody who's already been appointed as a leader of the community. And the notion is that because they are fasting and praying on behalf of the community, they have a greater likelihood of being answered. Talmid, who is a Talmid? Uh, talmid is someone who can be quizzed on anything that he has studied, and he knows it, even Masachet Kala. So the question is how to read that statement. There are those who read that statement as very exclusive and saying it has to be a student who really has mastered all of Shas, including the relatively arcane Masechta of Masechet Kala. There are those who, uh, who read the opposite, say that uh, even if what they know is uh, those things that are well known, like Masechet Kala, which is small and easy to master, then they are a Talmud. And there are those who read Masachet the Kala not as the Masachet named Kala, Kala below Brachab, Asurala Balakinida, rather they read Masachet Kala, meaning the Masachet that is taught at the public Kala, and even something that has public fame and is taught that way, if they know that, they're considered a Talmud. So they should also fast. This dovetails with a sugya we saw in Pesachim and also at the beginning of in the second parak of Brachot about someone taking on the mantle of a position that's beyond their own station. Not everyone who wants to make himself into Yachid wearing what we call the Itztola de Rabbanan, taking on the accoutrements of greatness, should do so. Or Talmid Oseh. If you want to be like a Talmud in this case and fast uh, when um, when uh, this is the select time of fasting during the first three fasts, that's a good thing. Here he's not taking on a mantle of greatness. Rather, he is uh, promoting himself into the position of elite for something that's essentially painful, which is which is the fast. We the same statement of Mayor made, made here by Rabbi Shimon Al-Azhar. Shimon doesn't disagree, but rather puts a caveat on it. So, if it's a question of getting a particular aliyah, sitting in a particular seat in shul, etc., then you have to really wait till you're uh, fit to the honor and till others recognize you, perhaps. But if it's something that you're joining them in, uh, something which is uh, painful and self-sacrifice, and etc., then that's a good thing. Good. We say that uh, anyone who really is a student, uh, even if he is not such a master, can certainly join in on these fasts, but someone who is not a student 
indeed it would seem to be an act of yohara and uh, and if these fasts are not successful and then the Tanitzibur comes then that's when he joins in they have a case where you're fasting for some terrible thing that either has happened or is in the middle of happening or is threatening uh, and then in mid fast uh, the, the danger passes Davening for someone who's sick and fasting from their behalf, and they get better in the middle of the fast time. You don't stop fasting as if the entire thing is a deal with God. You can you you finish the fast. Now here you gotta be careful because here we're talking about not a single fast, but rather a series of fasts. Let's say you go from a town where they're not having a fast, and you go to another town, even if you're not planning on staying there. You go to another town where they're in the middle of a series of fasts. Then you join them, because you're now in a town that's in the middle of fasting. Meaning that you join them for the next Thursday or Monday, whatever it may be. Let's say that you leave a town where they're fasting, and you go to a place where they're not fasting. There's no drought there, there's no danger there, etc. You still have to complete your own fast. Um, let's say it happened that one of these fasts you forgot and you, as we say, broke your fast, uh, which means you're going to have to make it up at a different time, perhaps. But I'll eat your abbey You still should, even though you're allowed to eat at this point, you still should not eat publicly. Uh, also, don't, uh, don't act, you know, put on perfume and etc. as if for you the fast doesn't exist. Now, normally we would say that's because there's a value in joining the tzibur in their troubles. There's another component here. This is the beginning of the camera going back to Canaan after we followed Yosef and his meteoric rise to power and then the famine sets in. Yaakov turns to his sons and says, why are you looking at each other? Go down to Mitzrayim and get some food. So, we, homiletically read as follows. Don't show yourselves to be satiated. In other words, the notion here is that Yaakov and his family still did have food, but don't appear that way. In front of your neighbors. Because what's going to happen, they're starving, and you're looking well-fed, and you're walking around with a bag of chips or whatever. They're going to be, they're going to be jealous. And that's never good to raise jealousy of your neighbors. And further on, when Yaakov uh, goes down, when when they when Yosef sends the brothers back, he says to them, um, "Don't uh, don't get anguished on the way." So I'm Rabbi Lazar, Amalam Yosef Lachal. There's a famous uh, Agadah that Rashi quotes in his Perush on Chumash. On the way back, don't talk halacha. Shema tegezu alehem. Maybe because then you'll forget your way, you'll get lost, you'll be so involved in what you're learning. Is it really not a good thing to learn while you're on the way? After all, if you have two scholars walking together and they're not sharing words of Torah, not just talk, sharing words of Torah, they deserve to be burned up. How do we see that? Well, we go to the farewell scene of Eliyahu when Elisha is accompanying him. And the very last point where we, Eliyahu is on earth we have the pasuk vayhem ahochim holech v'daber haloch v'daber v'inei rechavesh v'susei shayafridu ben shneim. As they were walking and talking, the uh, fiery chariot and the uh, fiery horses came down, separated them, and Eliyahu ascended and went up there. So the way we understand it, melodically, is tam tamadi kadibur. It's only because they were talking that they were spared. 
The fire would have uh, consumed them had they not been speaking words of Torah. So you see, speaking words of Torah on the way is very critical. So so sharing uh, something like that, that's perfectly fine. But to start getting involved in in uh, in-depth analysis, that's something you have to avoid on the way because you have to focus on, uh, on the drive or on the walk or where you're going. We have another version of what, Yaakov, what Yosef told his brothers when they left. What is Alter Gezuba Darach? means don't take big steps. What it means is go into the city when it's daytime. What's that? This is a statement that appears numerous places in Chazal that large steps rob you of your, your eyesight. You should always leave a city and enter a city during a good time, during daylight. This is when they left Yosef. They left when the morning was light. We continue with advice about how to travel. When you're walking, you should not take more food with you than you would eat during drought years. My Tama. In, uh, in Bavel, they said the reason is because you, you'll have a heavy stomach and it's not good for travel, it'll hurt your, your insides. Marava, I mean, Eretz Yisrael, they would say, because you might run out of food. you got to be circumspect about how much you take. So my benayu, when will one explanation drive this to, count, to be considered and the, and the other won't? Let's say you're traveling on a boat. Traveling on a boat, then you're not walking. You could eat more. And if, if you're not concerned, it's not where you're going to get your next morsel, but rather, then you might run out of food, but rather because of uh, your health, then you could then you could continue. Or the other hand, if you're going from town to town, short trip where the next town also has a storehouse, then you might be concerned about your stomach, but you're not concerned about the rations. Papa, every time that he took a, a trip, at every parsa, every four miles or so, he would eat another bread. So Kassar Mishumayana, he held, as the Babylonians did, that the reason was because of health. He had a strong constitution. He did not have that problem. Good. Back to uh, some more Agadot relating to, not really Agadot, but ethical advice relating to fasts. Anyone who starves himself during, uh, during drought years is saved from an unpleasant death. Like Rashi points out, Dying by the sword or by a plague, as opposed to dying in your old age and in your bed, Rashi, as Rashi says. Uh, so anybody who who suffers during times of drought uh, will be saved from that. This is the beginning of Sefer Eov. He says, in hunger, God saves you from death. Now, it should be it should be God saves you from hunger. By the merit that you Limit yourself during times of drought, meaning even if you have more, and so the schar of participating with the community and not eating more than what others are able to afford. This is something we're also familiar with, with uh, from uh, Rashi's commentary on Chumash. But a person should not have relations during years of drought. When we finish with the semi-biography of Yosef in Mitzrayim, he marries Asnat, and he has two kids, and their names, the kids are introduced, the sons are introduced as the two the sons that he had, the two sons he had before the famine. 
As if to say, after that point, he didn't not, not engage in our relations. The simple reason seems to be that uh, we have enough mouths to feed, we cannot afford, and we have too many mouths to feed, we cannot afford to introduce more. So most people understand it as people who don't yet have kids, uh, or perhaps uh, others read it as those who have kids but don't yet have not yet fulfilled the mitzvah pur Maybe they have only one son, or they have a couple daughters. They don't yet have a son and a daughter. Hillel uh, Shita may have relations. There is another version which is meaning. This is not a hetter, but rather a consequence. Those people who do have relations during that time will have chashuchevanim. They'll have dark children, meaning bad children. This is a very important sugyav poresh midarchet sibur. The mishnah avot says altifrosh minat sibur, and let's understand halachically in the context we're going to see here. And the Rambam has very strong words to say about, about someone who's poresh minat sibur. Uh, he can't even do tshuva. Uh, everybody's accompanied by two angels so somebody who is Am Yisrael is in trouble and one guy says I'm, I'm not in trouble, I'm, I'm okay they put their hands on his head this guy who did not participate in the troubles of the Tzibur he will not be zochet to see the comfort of the tzibur, and the the understanding here is that he will die before the tzibur is rescued. When the community is in trouble, the person shouldn't say, "I'm going to go home and I'm going to eat and I'm fine." And if not, then the very famous pasuk from Yeshayahu is applied to him. Let's have a big party. After all, we're going to die tomorrow. Let's live it up today. Right? What does it say afterwards? You will not be forgiven without death. Meaning, this is a very terrible sin to have the community in a time of tsar, and you ignore it, you go home and have a good meal, and ah, I'm fine. And by the way, even this group is considered to be uh, average people who just made a bad decision. What do we find about really wicked people? They said, let's bring wine and we'll make it even bigger tomorrow. We're going to make a bigger party. It's like in your face, we're going to go the opposite of the community. Makti Batre, what does it say after that? Tzadik Avad Ve'ein Ish, Sam Alev, nobody's paying attention, Kimnea Ra'an Esaf HaTzadik. Tzadik is gone, because there's so much evil here. Ella, rather, what is the proper way to behave when the community is in trouble? Yitzayer Adam Imat Tzibur, you have to afflict yourself with the Tzibur. Shekin Matzinu Moshe Rabbeinu Shetziyar Atzmo Imat Tzibur. What better model do we have than Moshe Rabbeinu? And what's the case? This is when Moshe Rabbeinu goes up to the top of the mountain with Aharon and Chur, as Yehoshua leads the battle against Amalek at the foot of the mountain in Perak Yod Zion of Sefer Shmot. Moshe goes up and they put a rock for Moshe to sit on. When Moshe couldn't find something soft to sit on. So why do you sit on a rock? The whole nation is in trouble. Amalek is attacking us. I'm going to join them in Tsar, and I'm not going to sit on a comfortable, cozy chair, but rather on a rock. This is the response to the earlier castigation of someone who does not participate 
someone who does participate in the Tzara of the Tzibur will merit to see and indeed participate in the consolation of the Tzibur. So let's say a person turns around and says, so who's going to testify that I indeed participated with the Tzibur? So we have a, a, an interesting range of, uh, of answers. The first one is, Your own house is going to testify about you. Shinamar, the walls and the, and the beams. The rock will cry out from the wall and the, uh, and the, um, and the beam from the, of the tree is going to respond to it. And your own house is going to talk about the things that you've done. And here it's good things that you've done. It's the same two malachim that in the case of the fellow who did not participate, um, uh, uh, chastised him and, and cursed him, they will testify, in uh, the famous Shira Pagaim, Tilim Tzadi Aleph, he will command his angels for you. It's your own neshama is going to testify. From the one who lies in your bosom, you should be careful about what you say, meaning that your neshama will testify about the things that you've done. Perhaps your own body will testify. God says, you are my witnesses. You testify about yourself. Now, there's an attached Agadah about the Pasuk at the beginning of Shirat Moshe Hazinu, where we say, what is El Emunah? God is a trustworthy God. What does that mean? Just as the Rishayim are, are punished in Alam Haba, even for the smallest thing that they do, meaning that God is very strict with the Rishayim, so you might think, yeah, but God is not easy going with the Tzadikim or loyalists. No, God is trustworthy. Meaning he's, he's honest. Similarly, within the whole range of of Chazal's approach to uh, to Schar and Onesh, which is that people who are going to merit a great chelik and olam haba have whatever little things they've done bad, um, they're punished for them in this world, so they can clean themselves and have a totally blank slate, a clean slate coming to olam haba, and the inverse about Rishayim. So Tzadikim get every little thing that they've done are punished for it in this world. There is no corruption of justice. Even a Shaim, they do one good deed, they get a schar in this world, but their, their schar is never never ignored. Now, the end of the Pasuk is Tzadik V'yasharhu. When man dies, all of his deeds are laid out in front of him, one by one. You did this and this on that day. And he has to say, yes, I did. It's very much like that uh, movie, Defending Your Life. That, that piece of it, um, as I'm being shown a movie of all the things you did in your life that were critical junctures, does certainly have some of in Chazal. And then they tell him, you got to sign that you, you agree that you did this for Chotem Shnamar Biyad Kol Adam Yachtom. Lord Elishamatzdik Alavet Adin, Vyomerlem Yafed Dantuni the Kayim Ashnamar Lamantitzak Vidovrecha. And not only that, but then you have to Yimatzdik the Din, you have to say your judgment was accurate, and indeed this is, this is correct, not only did I do it, but you're right to judge me for this, and that is the same Tzidukadin, the same notion of Tzidukadin that begins with that Pasuk that we say 
lo uh, alenu at at a at a funeral. Uh, and the pasuk is the matzitzak so you should be justified in your words, which David says to Hashem in the very famous Psalm 51 that he says after the sin of, of Bathsheba. Amar Shmuel. Now we get back to um, to another aspect of fasting. Anybody who takes a tanit, we assume here Shmuel does not mean joining of the tzibur, but rather taking a fast upon himself, is called a sinner. Fasting is not a good thing uh, in and of itself. Savarki Haitana, why does he say he's a sinner? Because he holds like Rabbi Azar HaKapar, who, uh, Rabbi Azar HaKapar was from the Golan, and it was from an area which was a a uh, very famous uh, winemaking area during uh, the uh, first couple centuries. And uh, whether it has any impact on this statement, I don't know. When the Nazir has to bring a korban chatat, because he sinned on the person, on the, on the nefesh. What, what sin? Who did he sin against? You know why he has to bring a chatat? Because he, he uh, abstained from wine, and he, he didn't accept any wine. For 30 days, he didn't enjoy wine. And Rabbi Lezor Akapar continues. Somebody who just abstains from wine is called a sinner. Somebody who really lives an ascetic life and doesn't take any pleasures. How much more so he's a sinner? That's a shul is definitely that opinion. But Rabbi Lazar Kapar has, a, has an opponent, and that is Rabbi Elazar Omer. Somebody who abstains from things is called Kadosh. Shinamar Kadosh, yeah, Gadel Parasaro Show. After all, the Nazir is called Kadosh, he who lets his hair grow. This guy just abstained from one thing. We're inverting it. He's called Kadosh. Somebody who abstains from lots of things, certainly he's called Kadosh. So now we have a problem. We have a Pasuk that says Chata, and we have a Pasuk that says Kadosh. So each one is going to have to answer the other's Pasuk. And you could ask the same question. So that's talking about his hair. In other words, his, his hair, by the way, has a dean of kedusha, and has to, when it's cut off in a particular ceremony, and it's burned under the dude, etc. But he says that's why he's called a kadosh because they say, uh, the Rebbelazer, he's called a sinner. What do you do with that? So he says, "Ahu That's talking about if he. With that context of that pasuk is where he indeed encountered uh, death, and it was metamei atan nizirut, and that's why he's chatal anefesh. Now, since when did Rabbi Lazar say it's a good thing and you're called kadosh if you fast? Rabbi Lazar himself said, A person should should check himself out as if he's got his body is kadosh, meaning you can't hurt your body or afflict it. It's a pasuk we darshan differently earlier in the first parak. So lokasha and we'll see more of an expansion than this. Rabbi says if you can, without endangering yourself, fast, you're called kadosh. On the other hand, if you can endanger your body, that is certainly a bad thing to do. Shlokish says somebody who fasts is called a chasid. Somebody who sort of abuses, or not abuses exactly, but doesn't neglect his body in the sense of not feeding it, it's called an ish chesed. Rav Sheshit comes back with a response which is not too supportive. He says, 
you have a Talmud, a student, a Barberav, who fasts, he may as well throw his food that he's going to eat that night. He may as well throw his food to the dogs. And it's a very bad thing that he's doing. And it's a wasted effort. Because he should be learning. This is in the middle of these statements, but this is a very critical piece. There is no halach of a tanit sibur except tishabav, outside of Eretz Yisrael. Part of the reason may be that a tanit sibur has to be in a place where it's declared by a beitin of smuchim Eretz Yisrael, like many other halachot that we have. Maybe that it's also related to the fact of rain, and Bavel really would not have much occasion for fasts for rain. But in any case, all the halachot that we have of Tanit Zibor that we've seen a little bit of, and we're going to see much more of between here and the rest and the end of the parak, only apply in Eretz Yisrael, except for Tisha B'Av. Amar B'Yirmiya Ba'av Ba'mir Shlakish, Ein Talmin Chacham Rishay L'Shev B'Tanit, Talmin Chacham is not allowed to to have be, be part of a Tanit. This means not when it's obligatory called by the Tzibur, but on his own. And that, of course, cannot relate to our case, because it's Dafka the Talmidei Chachamim who are fasting at the first three, because you are essentially disturbing your heavenly work of learning Torah, which you're not able to do if you are fasting. So we will continue from the analysis of tomorrow at Daf Yudalaf Amudbet. We will go to Daf Yudbet Amudbet. Um, actually, we're going to go to Daf Yudbet Amudbet to the next Mishnah, and we will see a lot of the interesting halachot tomorrow about the issue of eating and drinking at night and how that affects the Tanit and the issue of Tanit Shaot. Everybody should have a wonderful day.